1: Today, I'm delighted to continue the topic on education by talking with my friend and Choice Theory colleague, Deb Cox, who has created a very special school in Australia using Glasser Quality School model. Deb Cox has a strong passion for leadership development, focusing on growing self-awareness and self-leadership. She's spent 20 years as a school principal and focuses on leadership development for all staff, growing a strong culture of well-being and learning. Deb is, since 2011, principal of Nunda State School, a vibrant and engaging school in northern Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Here she leads her community through very clear vision and values, developing a culture of risk-taking, play, as they realize their future learning framework of the Nunda 9, now 10, gifts. I Can't wait to ask you about that. Her commitment to growing their staff personally and professionally is reflected, too, in the focus for learning for students at Nunda. Deb has experienced many valuable leadership learning opportunities in her career, which now drives her commitment to growing others. She is accredited in many related programs and tools to assist in leadership development of individuals and teams, including William Glasser's Choice Theory Reality Therapy and Lead Management Certification Level and is currently completing her accreditation as Practical Supervisor. The Project Is Me, Leading Learning for Learning Leaders, which is a Metro Region Department of Education pioneer, presenter, and program co-designer. The Myers-Briggs qualification, she has coaching qualifications in emotional intelligence, EQI 2.0 and EQ360, and she's a regional facilitator for the Wheel of Well-Being, And she is a certified TLC facilitator and a certified LPI coach under the Leadership Challenge with Accreditation in KMP here in the United States. She is committed to coaching and mentoring a wide range of teachers and leaders to build their capacity by leveraging their strengths and embracing opportunities for growth. Welcome, Deb, and thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us about a topic I know you are quite skilled in.
0: Thank you, Kim. Um can talk about
1: my school and my work all day. That's good. I would love to hear about it. And I'd like to start especially because you talked about the Nunda 9 gifts, which is now 10. And when I was visiting your school, there were nine. So I would like to hear for our audience about the original nine. And then if you enlighten me about the 10, I would
0: love that. We went through a visioning process a few years ago of really asking the community, what do we believe in we know that our, and we use the Robert Dillon's model to do our alignment. So we know that we want to develop a culture of internal control psychology. We developed some shared beliefs and some shared values and then some shared capabilities. What are the skills we want to leave children with when they leave Nunda? And so we went through a process of consultation and working with the community to articulate those. So we came up with the Nunda 9. So we want the children to leave us being knowing and self-managing and optimistic and inquiring. And reflective and creative and collaborative and resilient and articulate. Um, and so they were really they were really very embedded in our school, and they really uh, determine how we teach and what we teach. So we channel all of the Australian curriculum through our number gifts so the children know why they're learning particular concepts or ideas or skills. And then during, they're kind of linked in with everything we do in our school. And during the, uh, recently, uh, a couple of years ago now, we had a student doing a student's leadership speech. So he was presenting a speech to this school, explaining how, uh, how important the Nanda gifts have been in his life. But he said, I believe that Nanda also develops another gift. And that gift is a gift of being inclusive. And so he made, we have the gifts as little representations, like little gift tags, that are on logos and signage around the school and on their kids' stickers, a little stickers and they get badges, they wear on their hats and all that sort of stuff. And so he developed one that looked exactly the same as the other one with a new colour and a new logo and handed out the stickers to the kids. Anyway, so he clearly had to just embrace that and adopt that. So that's a bit of a holistic one and the others channel the curriculum. But it is, um, it was a lovely gift. How cool it's is beautiful. that? And we're working at the moment with a, a local... So we have the 10 representations. We're working with a local Indigenous artist who came and um, did some work with us. So she's developing up some 10 representations of the Nanda gifts as Indigenous symbols and, and, and representations, and then she's going to develop those and refine those with our kids. So we're going to have the parallel gifts as Indigenous First Nations representations around the school as well. So I'm very excited about that.
1: I love talk about inclusive. That just really yeah. brings in that 10th gift. I love that too. Yeah. Wonderful. I would love for you to tell our audience about the process you went through towards becoming and continuing to become a Glasser Quality School.
0: Yeah, so we are still continuing that journey. It was always in the back of my mind when I first came to my school 11 years ago, We were very external control. Um, And I had come from a school that I'd spent 16 years building up to be uh, an internal control psychology um, and way of being a school that was very need satisfying for the kids and for the adults. And so that took a while. I initially just invited people into the process of offering them choice theory. I always say to people, when the basic week is a gift that you're giving yourself. And if you want, it's an invitation to do it. So the first group did and then more did. And then those people went on to continue their learning. And I just keep funding that. One of the things that's unusual about my school is that we do invest a lot in personal development for staff, not just professional. I believe strongly that the person that you are and you be when you show up affects greatly the job that you can do. So we, yeah, we really do take care of all of our staff and offer all of them training in choice theory as much as they want. So that was slow and steady pace. And that's always, that, that change of culture is always quite difficult at times because you have people pulling back to wanting punishments and people who want to go forward with growing the child. But you just kind of work through that tension over time and more and more people, some people go, actually, this isn't for me and that's okay. A big part of that, once we had a, a core of staff who'd done the training, in um, the basic week and then the basic prac which I think are essential in choice theory. Then we worked through a visioning process with the community and that was where we got engaged in our vision really articulating what our beliefs are about learning that will help number next what our values are and how we want to realise those through our curriculum and also then what our gifts are that we want to grow for the children. So that made a big difference. And then we started to do more parent education. And of course, over this last time period of time, the neuroscience has become much into the fore, into the community. And so people are starting to see and hear lots of people talk about control, what you can control. And the neuroscience is just completely backing up all of Glass's work, of course, and in many ways elaborating on it. That kind of lends its all of the air of credibility. And of course, there's all the talk around trauma-informed practice, things which all make much more sense when you ground them in, in Glass's psychology work. That generated a lot of interest amongst the parents. So we keep going with some parent education. So now what we find is that teachers staff parents come to us because they want the kind of school that we are they want a school that's joyful where kids are allowed to make mistakes and learn from them where kids are allowed to take risks where we don't yell we speak kindly and calmly where the adults bring their calm to the situation where the adults are very skilled in in valuing humans and relationships and so people parents want that interestingly that's why people come to us now and some don't and that's okay but the people who come to us want that. We have quite a bit of stuff turnover over because when people learn choice theory, then they make other decisions about their life. Actually, I want to become a mother now. Actually, I want to become an artist or a writer or open a restaurant. or right. So I find yeah, people are making all these life decisions. So that means that we we have a gentle sort of circuit of people. But a lot of my leaders have gone on to now leading their own schools. And so they're introducing choice theory. And then we're also introducing choice theory through our regional leadership project. So we're actually having a lot more schools and a lot more people take up the actual training um, in the basic week and the basic um, practical. So our journey, I I always wanted to put a gus closed school, we haven't done a declaration yet, we will, but last year we had an external school review where people come in and do assess the school and get feedback from the community the number one recommendation recommend- about the school was choice theory. They heard it from the kids, they heard it from the parents, they heard it from the staff and how what a difference that had made in people's personal lives. And so I think now we're ready to do a declaration. I didn't want to do a declaration of quality of school in advance. I wanted it to become a natural thing that we're at. Okay, now we're actually declaring that we're here, right? So, yeah, so that will be uh, a work. I'll get a little working party and team next year. And, yeah, so that's kind of been our journey really.
1: I remember when I was there in 2019, and I asked you if you were on the path to becoming a Glasser Quality School, and you were a little coy about it, like... Well, maybe down the road, and I thought, yeah. and you sound like you're talking <laughs> the talk and walking the walk. I was yeah. really excited, and now to know that you're really deep into that process, that's really yeah. exciting. You mentioned, you know, the high turnover, which is really in service to the passions of the people who are working with you. Mm-hmm. If you're using external control, you're trying to keep everybody you can keep, so you don't have to deal with hiring new people, but that's not what yeah. you do when you're in a glass classroom quality school. You want to encourage people to move into the areas where they want to be. And so you end up, what you end up with are teachers who really want to teach. You cannot put a price tag on that. That's awesome.
0: And I've got three acting deputy principals because the others have moved up to being their own principal. So, you know, it helps people really articulate who they are and what they believe and who they want to be as a leader as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. So just for the sake of the audience, a lot of the people who listen in on this podcast are already choice theory people, and they clearly understand internal, external control. But for those people who don't really have an understanding of what that means, could you
0: just give a quick synopsis of the difference? For me, internal control psychology is about knowing, genuinely, deeply knowing that you can only control yourself. And you only can control your responses to other people and understand who you are and how you meet your needs and how you can meet your needs. The five basic needs Glasser talks about, fun, freedom to, freedom from, survival, safety, uh, power, success, et cetera, so, and love and connection, of course. So knowing that you can really meet those needs in healthy ways without Taking meeting those needs at the risk of anybody else. And as a system, we do that, creating a system where the whole school is need satisfying, as well as individuals knowing what their choices are and how they can meet their needs in healthy ways for themselves as well as for the community. Whereas external control psychology is just believing that you can control other people, that you can make them do things, that you can make a kid pick up a piece of paper or make a child, you know, apologise to someone um, when they don't want to. And it's, you know, a lot of the world drives around internal control psychology but ultimately I think it's interesting COVID has really drawn out more language around internal control psychology and more people Bren Brown and talking about really understanding to to let go of what they can't control uh, like COVID you know one of the things that I find is really interesting was that a lot of my colleagues were saying oh our kids are a mess and our families are a mess and our kids are really calm and really connected and really resilient through COVID. They did not freak out. It was quite amazing to hear the difference of what other colleagues were saying about what was happening in their schools. And I I really credit that with our explicit teaching that we do about teaching kids how to be resilient and what they can control and and how to manage their thinking and make their choice choose their actions.
1: Yeah, that's terrific. It's a life skill that will keep giving and
0: giving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's another gift.
0: One of my teachers has a daughter who's in grade 12 uh who's 14 now and she was applying for her first job recently and she had to write what qualities she brought and she said to her mum I don't I'm not really sure and so they were talking it through and then she said actually you know I'm resilient and I'm collaborative And she said she rattled off all the number gifts she was 14 in high school and she said actually for the number gifts I really did develop all these gifts while I was at school. So that was lovely to know that that legacy and the language lives on with children into their life. That was gorgeous.
1: Yeah, it is. They've really internalised what you're trying yeah, to teach, yeah. which is
0: beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when people come visit, they say to me, because, so, we, you know, we often do little tours in school and things, and the kids will tell the story of the places around our school. We made this friendship love heart scene, and everyone's got it, you know, everyone's made a tile that's part of that ceramic tile as part of that or we did this or we created this or we raised money for this but um the funny thing is they uh, they asked recently they they developed a phrase they they call it we nunderize people <laughs> so <laughs> nunderize is, now, is now a verb and uh the kids were asking for merch <laughs> Can we have merch uh, just there because we have mugs and you know bookmarks and that sort of stuff Can we have some merch for the for the guests very Ooh. nice yeah, i know yeah, i got yeah, my yeah. merch yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 I know you mentioned about that student who came up with the 10th Nunda gift of inclusion. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that you work hard at is giving students their voice. Can you help us understand how that really works?
0: Yeah, it's always been really important to me. I, I remember reading a book, I can't even it was one of the Glasser books many years ago. And it was actually, they talked in it about a story about some kids who helped renovate a building at a, a school, I can't remember which book it was that stuck with me. And so, going back, my son is now twenty eight. When he was in grade, I think, at Stanthorpe, he was in the country here in Queensland. He was in grade four, and we wanted they wanted to, we wanted to build a playground. So we designed. We had the kids design the whole playground and make models of it to scale and vote on which one they wanted. And then we built it and the kids turned up and helped with the construction of the playground and it was awesome. So that was my first piece of work around really wanting the kids to to be involved. So we do other really concrete things like uh, we've done things where the kids help design their classroom and pick the furniture and the colours and do research around all of that sort of stuff and what that looks like. We've recent last year with the grade twos, did some, we had money again for a playground, which we'd save for years and got some funding for. So the grade twos, each class, worked with a different design company and did the research with the other little kids around what they wanted in a playground. And they did the science study of forces and things. And then they all came up with a design for a playground, which they then pitched to the whole junior school, to the prep, to the grade threes. And then we passed around iPads and the kids voted on which one they wanted. And then it came up on the screen. This was the one that was going to be built. And so we built that and we opened that a couple of months ago. And then the kids, other things will happen. Like um, there's a new little boy who came to my school and he wrote me a letter and said, I'm new and I, I I really think that would be helpful. We have buddy benches in our school for yes. this reason and wrote a little persuasive text to me. So I said, yeah, we can do that. So I got them to do some re- the whole class then his class did some research on buddy benches, and ones they liked, and where they thought they put them in school, and how many we needed, and and so we just last week launched the buddy benches. So we have gold buddy benches, so they match our number the gold colour, but also our gold of quality world, of course. And so they've just signed, they've put them where they put them, and so we celebrated that. And Charlie, the little boy, was you know up on parade with his parents, and you know, explained why he initiated that and how he hopes they'll be used. And we bought some picture books about buddy benches that the kids all read to you know one another and in the library. And now I, I've made a really focused effort to go sit in the buddy benches at morning tea or at lunchtime, just so the kids can see me modelling, looking for a buddy and sitting in a buddy bench. So that's been lovely. Our senior uh, our school ca- school council every year runs some projects. So they decide what the school project would be. So they've recently just launched a whole kindness wall underneath our building. Um, and they worked with a facilities officer on some signage and we designed a big sign and got it made up and it says sprinkle kindness like confetti with pictures of Nanda kids and they're developing a whole process around having a theme of kindness, an A to Z of kindness every year, and every week, sorry, and now we'll talk about that on Parade. And so I just encourage kids to come with ideas and help them problem solve how they want to make those happen, then help resource them to make them happen, and then help them promote them and celebrate those and create some systems around sustaining that. Um, All the kids in the school made tiles to make a friendship seat. I like to get the kids involved in uh, real life art and craft projects. We recently built a village green down the back which is terracing up the side of a hill with uh, veggie uh, veggie gardens and all that sort of stuff. So uh, grade threes are developing a bush tucker garden there. Our Indigenous kids recently created a little sorry hedge for for our sorry day here in Australia, and they planted the purple hibiscus, which is the national sorry day plant. Um, And that's linked to their curriculum as well. So I like it to be linked to curriculum, but also just individual kids' passions and voices. I've got two little girls at the moment who are wanting to raise money for this outdoor Japanese sign. And they came to me yesterday with ideas about how they could raise money. They have got a proposal for Easter next year already. But yeah, so, you know, I just say yes,
1: really. (laughs) Right. And how can kids not be engaged and not feel connected to their school when their voices are heard? It's just phenomenal. I can only imagine that they are very invested in what happens in school. So I also know after watching you in action that leadership is something you model every minute of every day. What is the leadership work that you do on a regional level?
0: I have been really fortunate that I've done a lot of sort out myself, but also have had access to a lot of personal professional development. And at some stage in the last 15 years, that has just dropped off the radar for most leaders out there. So there's a whole generation of leaders who don't have had haven't had that experience of really understanding who they are as a leadership a leader and how they lead. Not just what they lead, not just the national tests or et cetera. So um, I was working with a colleague and we were saying we wanted to bring some of this work to our staff. So we developed a bit of a process and looked to mentors that we had and developed a little process with our staff. And then some other principals, colleague friends heard about that and wanted to buy into that. And so we've been running for a little while some coaching training programs based on rally therapy. We've been running some um, training around access to the 30 leadership practices of Coos supposed. And, and then the region found out that we've been doing this kind of little piece of work and really wanted some work for the uh, other leaders around the school. So we, I had to go into lockdown during COVID. So uh, it ended up being a bit of a COVID baby I was able to write and develop the program and develop all the resources and do the research around that so we now and it, each time we do it we uh, elaborate on it but basically we run an 18 month it's called the project is me because we did a lot of leadership programs are about what the data is or in education particularly tells about the spelling program or whatever and we didn't want it to be about that we wanted we say to our people you are the greatest project you will ever work on and so we want them just to, to really focus on who they are and how they be as a leader and to have a to-be list rather than a to-do list you know uh, when they're working with us so we start with doing two days around coaching work and teaching them how to coach and how to introduce some choice theory elements and look at how to really have coaching conversations rather than telling conversations. We find a lot of early career leaders, particularly, but even experienced ones, are often real tellers or rescuers. So we do a t- two-day t- 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 coaching. We do a day. They then get some feedback around their EQI, emotional intelligence, as well as the LPI, the 30 leadership practices of being a leader. And then they we unpack that with them and we do some one-on-one mentoring. And then we move into a couple of days of really unpacking the work of the leadership challenge and understanding those 30 behaviors in great detail and the difference that they can make around for other people and for how you lead so there are things like understanding having a clear philosophy of a of being a leader asking for others feedback on their work enabling others to act and giving them the freedom and choice to to make decisions setting milestones those kind of behaviors and then we do some work around they go out to a natural environment at one of our environmental ed centers and really look at how to slow their body and brain down And connect with themselves and connect with nature and explore the concept, indigenous concept of dididi which is about just being present in yourself and being present in nature because a lot of our leaders are just running on steroids. Yeah, yeah, and running, yeah, do two to others, do four others, do they're running on cortisol, right? And so we teach them how to really slow down. Our program is deliberately really steady. Really slow and, calm. and then we do some work on, um, so it ends up being 15 days in total. It builds to really what they want at the beginning, and that is how to have challenging conversations, how to really hold yourself and talk about what's important to me, what's important to you, really understand how to manage a difficult conversation using all the skills that they've developed. Then we go on a retreat. for This current group of 36 people was last weekend. So we go away for two days. They get their second feedback loop their second lpi they look at the change that's happened for themselves they stand in front of their peers and tell a five minute story of their leadership and how they've evolved as a leader and there are tears and laughter and it is just it goes for hours but everyone sits there completely captivated by everyone else's story and then uh, we do some work about where to from here and do a revisit around leadership learning with Cosas and Posters we bring an, a, a facilitator in for some of that work to think about how they want to keep going so we've run two programs now of we have eight, of 36 people in small groups initially and then we bring them together uh, and we've just advertised for the next 18 month program to start next year and we have 56 people involved in that and the other thing that we've done is from the first group We've selected really credible, articulate leaders to do the accreditation with us to become co-facilitators. So next year, we will have eight of us not just the two originals, actually facilitating the learning, which means we can share it. There's more voices in the room. One of the things that's really important is being really honest and really vulnerable about the stuff-ups that we make as leaders. And so we give the people in the room permission to just be themselves and learn how to make the most of that and leverage their strengths. So, yeah, we're setting up now for the next group, which will have three groups, which will then come together as a 55 eventually. So it's so satisfying. I just sit there and listen to the stories about how they've evolved and found themselves and how they're not rescuing anymore and how they're enabling other people and how they're much clearer and stronger. And we always said our, our job is not to get you promoted, but inevitably they are getting promoted because they are able to articulate who they are as a leader and they're so much more skilled as a person as a, you know, in their leadership. So it's just the most satisfying work and it's my lovely legacy next to my lovely school.
1: It sounds absolutely phenomenal. I mean, my experience, at least here in the States, when I talk to leaders, they have a vested interest in maintaining this all together facade, like I've got this, I know everything, I'm good at everything. And they're not really doing the self-reflection and the self-evaluation that helps people to grow. They're they're more invested in pretending to be that person than actually becoming that person. So the project is me sounds like a beautiful way to help leaders really become the leader that they want to be rather than act like the leader that they want to be but then inside they're scared and they feel insecure and and it's just really hard they're afraid I'm such a fraud somebody's gonna find out I'm not who I think I am so I I really love that that's beautiful
0: yeah it's such a prevalent thought that that sense of not being can I be the leader I am can I be me and be a leader and this organization or they have to pretend to be something so a lot of our work is about building being really vulnerable ourselves and building a lot of trust and being coached publicly by them about our mistakes or our thinking and it just is transformative for people the most frequent word is life-changing
1: I believe it I've heard that said many times about choice theory but I imagine that this project is similar it sounds it sounds really wonderful
0: because it's slow and deep over time they feel so connected to one another and to the other people. So now we have some people who are coming to do the 18 months with us to then also become part of the facilitation team. It's getting a bit of interest out there, so that'll be interesting to see. Wonderful, wonderful.
1: Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time for the podcast, so I want to give you the opportunity if there's something you'd like to share that you haven't already talked about or that I haven't asked you about.
0: Nothing comes to mind. I personally, I am such a better person because of choice theory. I I understand myself. I understand what I bring. I'm tuned into my body much better than I ever was. I think I could be one of those people, you know, who are, is just pretending and driven and driving others instead of really leading others and encouraging others, encouraging fellowship rather than just being up front, dragging people behind me. <laughs> and so I'm a kinder, I have for me choice theory provides like a framework for who I want to be and how I want to be and it keeps me teaching it and being with a, with the children with it keeps it really present and so it is now just you know who I am but I just can't can't tell people the value that it can give you really just having that framework for for understanding yourself and for understanding others so powerful. Yeah,
1: 100% agree with
0: that. Absolutely. So do
1: you have anything coming up you'd like to tell our
0: audience about? Yeah, holidays. Uh, I can't believe this year's gone so quickly. So I'm just looking forward to, I needed to take a day today just to regroup. I'm um, doing some work at home and I'm, I'm much better at doing that and about being obvious about that for takes with my staff because I believe not just not saying right, about well-being, no, but you. modelling. So I know that I will, I just want to be back at school for the next few weeks because I've had a lot of things drawing me out and be present and enjoy the children and enjoy the last few weeks and enjoy, hopefully a summer that's right because you're down under and it's summer for yeah. you while we're just getting
1: cold here in chicago let me tell you there's snow on the ground today just a, just a dusting but enough to mm-hmm. let us know that it's coming so if anyone that's listening would like to contact you for more information either about your school choice theory oh, or okay. your project the project is me how would they reach you
0: yeah, I have a very good report that I've written on the last two projects with all the data and the anecdotal as well as summative data. So I'm happy to share that with people and tell us about the, the, the program. So best place to contact me is uh, my email, my work email, which is dcox4, number four, at eq.edu.au. And I'm happy to share any resources, any ideas, any work that we've done, our school website as well, if you just Google Nanda State School. Um, you'll be able to see some information. We're still updating that, but you'll get some glimpses of who we are. Happy to host visitors if you are ever in sunny Queensland. Well, I can tell you, sunny
1: Queensland is a beautiful place to be if you ever have the opportunity. I love it there. It's absolutely gorgeous. I'll put all that in the show notes so people will be able to reach out to you if they want to. I really appreciate you joining us today, Deb, especially knowing how busy you are, that you are able to take the time to be with us. I love talking with passionate leaders who have a strong vision and are making it a reality. What you're doing for the faculty and students in your school is truly extraordinary. So thank you for everything you do. Thank you. It's a great pleasure of my life. I believe you. I do. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Angela Peacock about her tragedy that she's turned to triumph. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then.
0: This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.